Bing bong. I'm back with another edition of the State of Bitcoin podcast with my very special friend, Zach, at BTC BAP. He is a member of the CASA team. CASA helps you with multi-sig addresses so you can hold your keys off an exchange because as we've seen with FTX and all these other debacles, can't always trust those exchanges. Well, CASA makes it a little easier so you have multiple words, multiple seed phrases. So if you lose one of those words, it's not game over boys and girls. And so we talk about the importance of self-custody and much, much more. And I have a big, big announcement for you, ladies and gents. Listen up here. Listen, listen, listen. Pause it. Unpause it. Now listen. I've got a new sponsor, Coddle.co. Coddle.co offers punch plates of all sizes for 12 words, 24 words, various sizes and punch plate tools in steel that have been tested through the ringer. Anything from flames, acid, in water, what have you, this punch plate is not getting messed up at all and you will always be able to keep those seed phrases very, very close and protect those seed phrases. Don't keep them on paper anymore. Keep them on a, on a steel punch plate. So I have a very special offer for you guys. Uh, for listeners of the State of Bitcoin podcast or readers of the State of Bitcoin newsletter, if you use promo code Green Candle from now until Cyber Monday, the end of Cyber Monday, which is March 28th, you will get 30% off. That's right, 30% off any punch plate that you order and any bulk orders that you order from coddle.co that's c-o-d-l dot c-o using promo code green candle one word all lowercase that's g-r-e-e-n-c-a-n-d-l-e and your boy is giving you 30 percent off and lastly ladies and gents we cannot forget that this is not financial advice this is never financial advice and should not be taken as financial advice now let's get into the episode we are live with another edition of the state of bitcoin podcast and i'd like to thank everybody listening on podcasting 2.0 apps like fountain um, so if you uh, send me a boost or stream or whatever and leave me a little review, I'll read it on the show. So shout out to Halo22B for uh, the, the boost. And he said, great rip, value for value. So I appreciate that. Um, but there's a lot going on right now in the greater, I guess, crypto slash Bitcoin, whatever you want to say, world. Um, so I think it's, now is a better time than ever to bring my good friend, Zach at BTC BAP. We've had you on before, but uh, I'm glad you're uh, joining me again. Recurring guest now. What's up, man? How are you? Yeah, man. Get, getting some stripes, you know? We're yeah, all earning we stripes this bear market. I saw a tweet the other day. It was like, anyone who started in 2020 is officially an OG at this point. Like, you've been through. You've been through the ringer if you're still hodling. 
So shout out yeah, to all the modelers. Yeah, amen. I mean, and it seems like the hodl numbers are growing, but uh, yeah, I mean, so you know, obviously, you you work at Casa and you have like a lot of experience of like the multi sig and you know people kind of coming in, getting onboarded and stuff like that. You know, I've heard some of these other multi sig providers have said, you know, this week has been been a lot for them. So you know, how how are things going over at Casa? Um, obviously, you know, you can't disclose too much, but I mean, it, has it been pretty busy with you? And uh, how are you kind of weathering this storm right now with, uh, you know, all of this FTX and, and what have you? Yeah, man, we're busy. Uh, it's amazing that uh, we, we carved this out time to do here uh, today. Um, yeah, we're, we're, we're super busy. And, you know, this is important. I mean, obviously, you don't want to ever see anyone lose money and like lose access to their funds. But you know, I, I tell people all the time that people don't really take action until they need to. And one of those things is either something happens to you, something happens to someone you know, or something just happens to the greater ecosystem that causes you to, you know, take action, right? Like people are creatures of habit and everything's fine on the exchange until it isn't. So, um, it, you know, I hope, you know, and it's, I've had, you know, similarly, I've had lots of great calls with people who are like, I'm so glad you guys are like preaching self-custody. You know, I didn't take it seriously, but I did it. And wow, I'm so glad I did now. Right. So proof is in the pudding. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, it seems like, you know, it's, it's FTX has kind of started, but I mean, it goes back to the days of, you know, Celsius. It seems like that was forever ago uh, where Celsius and Voyager and some of these other ones kind of halted withdrawals, but it seems like it's a it's a trend and it's going to continue to kind of happen. So, you know, what are you kind of seeing with with a lot of these like, you know, FTX and some of these other like, I guess, yield lending crypto platforms that, uh, you know, that that should be, I guess, red flags to people that not too many people are, I guess, uh, figuring out until maybe it's too late. Yeah, well, I mean, the yield's got to come from from somewhere. Right. And so. You, you have to ask yourself where where is it coming from and not just like in what mechanisms but through which counterparties and i think you know it, it's a new idea that there's an asset that you don't need to generate a yield on um just the reason you need to generate a yield to say in your savings account is because it loses value every year to inflation right but bitcoin doesn't lose value because it's a fixed supply and so it's a new idea that people have to still work to get used to that you don't need to generate yield. And in fact, the yield is through the increase in purchasing power relative to the total share that you'll have over time. So, you know, it's, I, I'm not like, it's not, I, wanna, I don't want to say it was like predictable because, you know, these are major reputable companies. Like it, it wasn't, it wasn't predictable necessarily in like the, the extreme of the contagion that's occurred, but yeah, I mean, you know, if you're printing money out of some thin air, it's got to come from somewhere. And, you know, like all things, they eventually come to roost. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, I just I I honestly like with the whole FTX thing, I think you know, obviously Bitcoiners have been screaming from the rooftops like, you know, that this thing has been, uh, you know, uh, a scam and what have you. But I don't know. I mean, like for the average person, I think if you see, you know, FTX on the on all of the major league baseball, uh, major league baseball umpires uniforms on every single pitch, you see FTX arena 
in in Miami for the Miami Heat in the NBA. You see Super Bowl commercials. You see Tom Brady, uh, you know, putting his name kind of behind all this. So, you know, how do you guys, I guess, how do you like read through some of this stuff? And how are you, um, I guess, telling your customers or people that you're interacting with, like, hey, you know, although it seems like a ton of marketing dollars are being thrown into this company or, you know, into this industry that, you know, it's just kind of like the steady growth and the the steady, uh, you know, I guess, adoption of Bitcoin. That's really, you know, the true innovation through all of this. Like, how do you kind of lead somebody, you know, to, to I guess, avoid some of these uh, these shiny objects like an FTX or some of these yield products? Yeah, I mean, dude, that's like should be the red flag right there, you know, because these sponsorship deals, these Super Bowl commercials, these you know, um, influencer contracts, they're not cheap. They're not cheap. Where's the, com- where's the profit coming from? Right. And at the same time, they're boasting about, you know, their lowest, the lowest trading fees and so forth. Again, it goes back to like asking further questions, doing, you know, people say, Doug, do your own research. Do your own, I mean, it's easy to say that, you know, if you, you know, think through like, you know, third, fourth order, like derivatives, like, okay, well, where's the money coming from? It's not coming from trading fees. Well, okay, where is it coming from then? You know, there's a lot of stuff where there were people talking about like trading food tokens and things like, you know, for a while that was funny and, but it's just real money, right? This is talking about like billions of dollars of, you know, value that is trapped or lost, who knows? So it's, uh, you know, it, it's never been more obvious that self-custody is different than crypto. Self-custody Bitcoin is different from crypto. Um, again, it's unfortunate that this lesson has to be learned the hard way. But thankfully, like we've had so many people who are learning and, you know, Bitcoiners are right again. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, it is kind of unfortunate. You don't want to laugh about, you know, people losing money or anything like that. But, um, you know, and we'll get into the importance of self-custody. But, but one thing you you mentioned here was was do your own research. And this is why I, I kind of want to dig into a little bit because I've, I've, I've been thinking about it, you know, as much as SBF is at fault and he, you know, obviously yeah. likes use user funds and, and did a lot of very, very bad things. But at a certain point, like, shouldn't we kind of blame a little bit of the venture capitalists that, that funded this, um, you know, and kind of put a bunch of dollars behind it because initially, you know, although SBF, you know, scammed thousands of people, uh, millions of people, I think a million users. Yeah. There's like um, a million creditors. Yeah. A million creditors. You know, at the end of the day, he got a bunch of this money and got a bunch of backing from uh, a lot of venture capital firms. And, you know, we've even seen people like Kevin O'Leary go on and say, uh, on television that if he were to come out with another project in the crypto space that he might back them to back him, depending on Dude, you know, what it, it really, is. It, it, it comes down to philosophy that I stand by. You have to take personal responsibility. It's for all things that happen to you, for things that happen around you, for circumstances in your life, for mistakes that you make, for successes that you have you have to take personal responsibility. And so it's very easy to point the finger. It's their fault. It's the politician's fault. It's the venture capitalist's fault. It's the media's fault. It's Kevin O'Leary's fault. No, it's personal 
responsibility to the degree that you're affected by this is to the degree that you should take personal responsibility for it. And that doesn't mean it's your fault, right? Like, and I want to be clear that that doesn't mean like you should blame yourself either. Right. Like, but there is a level of personal responsibility that need people need to take. And that is so much of the Bitcoin ethos. The idea of self custody to the highest degree is personal responsibility on steroids, right? Because if you lose your keys, you lose your money forever. There is no one to help you. This is why Casa exists because we understand that personal responsibility is scary. We understand that personal responsibility is a new thing when it comes to custodying funds, especially a, a meaningful amount of someone's life savings. And so, yeah, I mean, I do, I deeply empathize with anyone affected by, you know, the whole year of, of, of just disaster that this has been really, but, you know, hopefully there's a lot, a silver lining where people learn that personal responsibility is extremely important. And, you know, there's a level of honesty that you have to take with yourself there, but it's an opportunity to grow as a person and as an industry. Yeah, for sure. And I agree there 100%. Yeah, I mean, personal responsibility. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's, it's interesting, because a lot of people want that personal responsibility behind Bitcoin, but then still get a little nervous when it comes to the self custody aspect. Um, and obviously, you know, there, that's where where Casa kind of comes in to help with that multi sig. So uh, let, let's get into the, the importance of self custody and kind of taking ownership of your money and, you know, of, you know, your funds, personal savings, what have you. Um, and the unique aspect of Bitcoin, uh, because, you know, I don't, I don't think that there's really been any way that, you know, right now uh, you or I get paid. Um, it goes direct deposit into our bank, most likely. Um, that's how most people are getting paid. Right. And we have to go through a bank where, you know, we either use either use a debit card or go to an ATM machine to get our money. And then we have to pay that ATM machine some sort of fee more than likely to get some cash out of our account. And then there's all of that kind of, you know, recording and everything behind it. But Bitcoin's a little different, right, where you don't really need a, that that third party and you, you don't need anything like that. So, um, you know, what I guess is the biggest mental hurdle for people kind of coming in that, that come to Casa for like multi-sig or maybe even people, you know, that you're orange pilling and bringing in, you know, onboarding to Bitcoin in your own life, that, uh, you know, that self-custody aspect is, uh, you know, just kind of pretty intimidating for them. Yeah, I mean, it is it is intimidating, like full stop. Like it is, dude, I, I still get nervous when I send Bitcoin. So I don't think that, I don't think that that stops actually like i don't think that people stop getting nervous when they do things that have extreme importance and you know finality to it but there's a certain level of empowerment that comes with it so you know casa tries to help people feel empowered and be able to do self-custody on their own or you know at least on their own from a private key standpoint right like they don't have to give up custody um, there's not, it's not like a black and white thing where either you have custody or I have custody and I have to do it all by myself. So there's people and there's companies like Casa that can help without giving up custody. And that's just by having a recovery key, 
where if you lose one, it's not game over, right? In the simplest, uh, the simplest way. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, there hasn't really been any kind of like revolution or, or anything like that, or, you know, uh, I guess, I, don't know, I can't even think of the world right now, but like digital aspect of anything where you can have your own digital property like Bitcoin. And so this is, you know, obviously one of the main unique properties of Bitcoin and, you know, the decentralization aspect of it and everything like that, you know, really doesn't require for you to have anything, you know, like a, a CASA or like, uh, you know, maybe a FTX or anything like that. So, um, you know, I, I obviously there, there's a lot of benefits, too, because it kind of helps, uh, you know, a CASA with multi-sig helps you know, take away some of that worry. Uh, you know, like you said, if, if you lose a single key, you can kind of, uh, you know, you have obviously you guys and then you have another third party, at least to my understanding, that that has the other key too. So, you know, you can have various packages where if something were to happen that, you know, you're not going to completely lose everything. And so, you know, I guess uh, which what crowd or age group do you think that this kind of appeals to the most? Are you running into now like, just newer people that are kind of coming in that are a little afraid or are you running into, you know, I guess, obviously you don't know how much, you know, bag people are carrying or anything like that, but people that maybe have like, you know, a full, a good amount of their savings into it, or, you know, can you kind of talk about the demographics of people that are kind of coming into the multi-sig realm? Yeah, for sure. I mean, really it's all types, right? Like Bitcoiners are everywhere and, you know, from teenagers and, younger to people in their 80s so not just age but all over the world casa works all over the world because we aren't a custodian you can use it anywhere and because of that it's like amazing how how, how diverse that is you know so i i'm careful to like pin a specific demographic but more so like a type of a type of a stage of where someone is. So, you know, it's, it's great. The, the, the single key is the, you know, like the pay wallet. And this is great for someone just starting out because they have self custody, but it's backed up to their cloud. And why that's important is that so many times when people are starting out, they take screenshots of their seed words. Right. And like, that's game over if uh, your cloud, you know, your cloud gets hacked in that way. But if your cloud gets hacked and the screenshot is not raw, but it's the seed phrase is rather encrypted in a file, then they also need to get into your password manager and get access to your CASA credentials. So it adds a layer of authentic auth authentication to just even the simplest of a single key hot wallet for someone just starting out. Now, on the higher level plans, we have multi-signature wallets, you know, the multi-key vaults, and these are designed for larger balances where you'll hold for, I mean, it, it doesn't need to be any amount of time, but typically it's for someone who's holding it for a longer period, right? And, you know, this is great because there's multiple keys tied to the address. So if you lose one or one is stolen, you don't lose access to it. And particularly when you get multiple keys involved, like in the five or six key setup, you can start distributing these keys amongst your heirs. And then you can do some really creative stuff with like legacy planning. 
and making sure that access is given and achieved when needed, but not before. And so that's kind of a unique thing um, that you can do with, with that type of structure of a wallet, particularly in the security model too. You can, you can, you can take keys and put them all over the world. Good luck, you know, having governments that hate each other cooperate to get your Bitcoin. Maybe, right? But each of these things is further strengthening your security model. Yeah, uh, yeah. So let's get into, I guess, the different like kind of p packages and options and kind of the the various levels of security. You kind of went into it a little bit here with, you know, obviously like taking a picture of you know your seed phrase and then encrypting it in your cloud. And then, you know, obviously the, the farther extreme where you could have your seed phrases all over the globe. Um, so, you know, what are the kind of like the varying ways that uh, you know, you see that, that you can use multi-sig to kind of help beef up your security and beef up, uh, you know, uh, I guess your your uh, your hold of your private keys. Yeah, I mean, it's essentially just, you know, the, the weakest link, um, you know, in a single key wallet, there's a single point of failure. So it's just about removing single points of failure. So by distributing your keys in different locations, and generating them from different hardware devices. It just allows for more room for error and more things have to go wrong, right? So it's not foolproof, but it's close. It's the closest thing we have, right? Like nothing is foolproof. Like there is no perfect security, but there's a ideal security for someone. So like I can't get into like two specifics, but if someone wants to, and like to that point, like if someone wants to talk about their personal security and what works for them, come book a call. I'm happy to walk people through it. Yeah, for sure. And the, and I kind of want to get into like the KYC aspect of it as well. Um, so, you know, obviously there is like a privacy aspect of it. You know, there there some people don't like to let people know, you know, how, how much Bitcoin they have. They try to avoid buying KYC Bitcoin. And for those who don't know, it's KYC is know your customer. And essentially that, you know, attaches your name and, and however much information you give a lot of these uh, exchanges to that uh, Bitcoin transaction. And so once that is transaction somewhere, there's obviously that that ledger that's kind of tied to your name. Um and so I know that that Casa is kind of unique in that that aspect where you don't necessarily need KYC if that's if I'm remembering correctly from our last conversation. Um, so you know why why don't you go into a little bit of I guess you know that the privacy aspect of Bitcoin and how you know people can can avoid uh, you know I guess anybody really knowing how much that they really hold. Yeah, private privacy is like a, a never ending challenge you know it's not like a st you do it once it's a it's a lifestyle <laughs> so you can sign up with casa with an alias and as long as you're not using the inheritance planning features you don't need your id um, the reason you need your id for those things is because when you die we have to know who to who to verify right we if you we haven't figured out that part yet, but we're working on it. Um, 
but until then, yeah, I mean, as long as you use the lower level, the, you know, if you use like the basic multi-sig plan or 120 a year plan, you can sign up as Satoshi Nakamoto. A lot of people do. Yeah. So, um, I guess that it always kind of brings me back to, you know, when somebody's getting kind of initially onboarded to Bitcoin and there's the ask, you know, the privacy aspect that people, you know, maybe have a question about or maybe are, are kind of like skeptical about. Right. So a majority of people that I talk to, they're like, oh, you know, I'm going to go buy Bitcoin. I'm going to go to Coinbase or I'm going to go to one of these, you know, bigger names. How do you kind of, I guess, sway people to maybe go to a different place? to buy Bitcoin and kind of avoid maybe all this KYC information, or are, are you kind of just sending, you know, maybe the initial people to, to maybe like a cash app or a strike or something along those lines? Yeah. I mean, all those places require KYC. <laughs> exactly. The best way to get no KYC Bitcoin is to mine it. I don't really know of a consistent, reliable way to do it otherwise. Even the ATMs, you know, they have a lot of them require your ID and their fees are quite high. So, yeah, I mean, I, I, I'm not really the person to ask on how to acquire no KYC Bitcoin. Um, I do think that privacy is a right. And I also think it's a lifestyle. So, you know, there are people that are privacy minded individuals that you probably should have on the show that would uh, have a better um, be able to speak to that better but uh yeah if you want no kyc bitcoin go get a what's minor m50 they're like 2200 from kaboom racks right now crazy deal yeah yeah exactly so miners are, are definitely very low but yeah i actually had a heady walk on on for a long not too long ago maybe a three or four months ago before this uh this big giant dip down to 20k and he kind of went into how he does it um when using uh you know he was like says he goes buys like a burner phone and and does all this stuff in, in cash and everything too so he kind of goes and explains like how to do it in that episode so uh i'll probably link that in the show notes too so if anybody's interested to get to go learn a little bit more about that uh be sure to check out that episode because it's really good and and provides a lot of information um but you know on that note, it always, it, you know, it, it is difficult um, and it is kind of, uh, you know, not a, I guess, a trivial way to kind of go and buy some of these like non-KYC routes. So, yeah, like how do we, I guess, prevent, uh, you know, some of these custodial places where we're buying and selling Bitcoin and obtaining Bitcoin and kind of pulling it immediately off these exchanges um, from, from going under, uh, you know, how do we kind of, I guess, vet some of these places to buy, uh, to buy Bitcoin? Um, you know, because it seems like, uh, as, as it states, all of them are kind of coming crashing down right now. Yeah, man, I'm trying to figure that out myself, to be honest. Um, you know, these, a lot of these crypto exchanges are not banks. And so I don't think it's a good idea to, keep money on there for any amount of time it may be a necessary evil to purchase it right but that's the chance you take you could always mark it by i personally think robin hood is a pretty pretty cool solution for two two three reasons the first is that their brokerage account like when you deposit money to 
buy Bitcoin there, it is a brokerage account. It's not like an unregulated account like a lot of these exchanges. So, you know, again, do your own research, personal responsibility. But like to my knowledge, those accounts have some investor protection when the money is sitting in cash. When it's in Bitcoin, it's a whole different story that I can't really speak to because I don't know. I would imagine you're not protected. But if your money's sitting in cash there, it's okay, I think. The second reason that is appealing to me is because they also have very low fees. And then they now let you withdraw. Right before it was like a no, it was a non-starter because they didn't let you withdraw, but now they do. So, yeah, I think that's like a good option. Wow, that that is pretty interesting, and I don't know if you heard this. You know, spaces there. There's been a ton of spaces going on the past couple of days. You know, all kind of around this. And uh, Michael Saylor kind of went into you know how uh, you know uh, MicroStrategy custodials their Bitcoin, and he said, you know, obviously they're they're such a giant company, they can't have one single point of failure, so they trust another company who's who's regulated and he didn't necessarily come out and say who but he brought up fidelity because they're you know a regulated broker and uh because of that you know that they, they have to go through all these various things and they're publicly traded company they get audited every quarter at the very least and so you know uh, and they're holding a bunch of other people's funds so if they didn't have that and they have you know so many people checking all these uh all, all their accounts, you know, they would be in a lot of trouble and they would be underwater as well as, you know, whoever's like holding their accounts. So I think, uh, you know, you're as much as I like hate the regulation, if you're worried about something with the like something like an FTX or, you know, the, the Celsius or, or what have you, you know, a lot of these companies are offshore, or have some sort of aspect like that to them. And so, you know, as much as I, I hate to say it, but the, the more regulated ones, or at least the United States-based companies, seem to be a little bit better suited um, to avoid, uh, you know, something like this. Would, would you kind of, I guess, agree with what, what Sailor went in with that? Yeah, like any, any exchange that has a token, I would stay away from. Um, any exchange that's based offshore, I would stay away from. FTX US was technically US, right? I, I don't actually even really know the specifics, but they had a token. So any you're in my opinion, the best route if you have to go that way is you have to be the best. I mean, yeah, the regulated like Coinbase and Robinhood, like the people less likely to steal your money are the ones who have more to lose by doing so. That's like my approach. So in my, but my truth, my true recommendation is if you're still sitting on dollars, you know, why, why do you still have them? <laughs> so in my, in my, in my mind, like the Bitcoin should have been bought a long time ago. Yeah. But if, uh, you know, on that note, it, it is interesting because you know, I, I always give uh, Joey from the Canadian Bitcoiners podcast crap because he, he said, uh, earlier in this bear market that he was not turning off his DCA, but but kind of slowing it down or hinted at that because he thought another big dip was going to come. And so, you know, how do you, I guess, weigh out to people or kind of, you know, rec recommend that the DCA and chill method other than like a lot, I feel like a lot of people are kind of waiting in 
um, down here to, to buy a deeper dip. And they keep thinking like more and more is coming, more and more is going to crash uh, and what have you. But, um, you know, I guess uh, how do you, uh, I, I, for me personally, I'm just like, all right, I'm going to keep the DCA rolling, just keep it going because yeah, I'm not trying to, you know, time it and, and be, you know, I think that's very difficult. So, you know, how do you, I guess, uh, weather that storm when people kind of come to you and say like, hey, I bought it. 30k i bought it 40k 60k what have you and now it's at you know 16 17 i've lost all this money even though they obviously still have all that bitcoin um so yeah yeah i mean anybody who's held in the last who've bought in the last year is underwater right so um yeah i mean i would say like just like the exits close immediately in this case, like with the exchanges and stuff where you don't get notice and look, I, I'm not like fear mongering or anything. Like I don't necessarily believe this is true to, to occur, but I do think it is possible that it could occur. Um, there could be a day where you're just like not allowed to withdraw Bitcoin anymore and you're probably not going to get notice. There could also be a day where you're not allowed to exchange dollars for Bitcoin. Or there could be a day where you're only allowed to exchange certain amounts of dollars for Bitcoin, like in Canada. Isn't that a thing now? Only certain amount of crypto per day? Yeah. Or dollars so. per day, per year. So, you know, to the people that are waiting to get a preferential exchange rate, consider the fact that you may get a infinite or zero exchange rate in the future because you just may not be able to get it. Just like, you know, if you had money trapped on the exchange, you just may not be able to get it. So, a hundred, you know, no yield is worth 100% loss. Yeah, I mean, that's extremely powerful there. I mean, I, I, can't, I don't know how I can follow that up, man, because it's a, you're 100% right. And I, and I think like all the signs and the red flags are popping up left and right. Um, and it, I think it's kind of deterring some people away from Bitcoin um, and kind of like looping it into the, the crypto world. Um, although we're, we're having a lot of people, I, I know I've seen Natalie Brunel, I've seen Jack Maulers, I've seen you know Michael Saylor kind of go on some of these mainstream media uh, outlets and kind of differentiate between uh, crypto and Bitcoin. But are you kind of still seeing that there's still that, I guess, that knowledge gap between the two of them and that they're still kind of, you know, bringing them all together and kind of joining in that Bitcoin and crypto um, all in one and then looping this FTX thing all with Bitcoin as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, it takes a while to understand, you know, the differences aren't obvious right away and it takes people learning from things like I mean, Jack Maller's thing on CNBC yesterday was absolutely epic. Like, dude, he's like, he's the Bitcoin CEO as far as I'm concerned. <laughs> I mean, he he just has a, such an eloquent, matter-of-fact way of putting, of, of clarifying it. But yeah, I mean, it takes a while. People are going to understand the difference. And, you know, like, it's... You know, even like stable coins, like, I mean, the issuer of those, you know, they're highly, highly regulated. Like, I don't recommend people store their money in dollar denominated assets because of inflation. 
but I don't give financial advice anymore. So, you know, the, the idea is for Bitcoin is that it doesn't lose value over time. Stable coins do because they're pegged to the dollar, which is inflationary or, you know, any other fiat asset. And being said, like if somebody wants to self custody stable coins, they should be allowed to like, it's not, you know, that's within their right, I think. So, you know, it, my, my goal is to, and what the Bitcoin movement to me is, is, is a, is a reclaiming of personal responsibility. And with that comes empowerment and with empowerment, maybe just maybe the world becomes a better place to live in for us. That's why I'm in it. I'm not here to flip monkeys, monkey pictures. Wait, so you don't, you, you're telling me you haven't sold any of your board ape NFTs yet to try oh, to flip. Dude, I should have though. I should have. <laughs> Dang it. I had, uh, I, I had <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not going to get into, into my, uh, <laughs> We'll get into I, just, that. I saw like uh, there's something on Twitter today that Justin Bieber bought a board ape for like 1.3 million and it's down to like I don't know like uh, 70 grand or seven grand or something like so that. What? So he's lost, yeah, almost 90 percent of his money. So See, or 98. The thing, like, people confuse this like affinity stuff from celebrities. Like that's like a a minuscule like fraction of what his wealth is. Whereas like other people are like 60, 70% of their wealth in NFTs, like just some crazy stuff. Like, so yeah, you know, when like you see these like celebrity endorsements and stuff and, you know, um, like sponsorships and whatnot, just like consider like how deeply are they tied relative to their total wealth? Yeah, that's true. I actually just Googled it here while we were sitting because I was curious. So uh, he bought it for 1.8 or 1.9 million or something like that. I, I forgot what I even said earlier, but he's his net worth is 285 million and he makes uh, 80 million a year. So um, that Rounding is very, very, yeah, very, very small amount for him. So, uh, yeah, I mean, you're completely right. Like these celebrities and, you know, high net worth individuals can kind of afford to take some of these risks. Whereas, you know, a lot of these people that, that, you know, maybe got burned by an FTX or some of these other yield platforms have a significant amount of their net worth in there. Or, you know, I've even heard stories of people like saving up for their weddings or doing other things like that in some of these platforms. And then all of a sudden they're getting close to the date, they're ready to withdraw it and uh, the withdrawals are, are shut, shut off. So, yeah, you know, it, definitely a lot of blood in the streets and a lot of pain in the market for sure. But, you know, I do feel like there is some positive things going on in the market. I think that there's a lot of Bitcoin being taken off of exchanges and being moved into, you know, more of the cold storage wallets. So, you know, what is making you bullish in, in the, the midst of all of this? Yeah. You know? Hard for the fed not to pivot after like Bernie Madoff, at least what seems to be as it's unfolding, like, one of the potentially like biggest stories of our you know financial modern financial history so hard for the fed not to like pivot on their interest rate policy now after like 10 billion dollars disappeared but then then again maybe like that's just also a rounding error to the amount of money in circulation so that would be like i would say that you know if i could try to find a silver lining of it it's you know Lots of losses lead to a decline in spending, which leads to easing of Fed policy, which leads to the markets coming back. 
So that could be like a one positive way to, to, you know, to try to spin it. You know, if you're like to steel man that, but absolutely like the more obvious one is what you said, like Bitcoin self custody worked just fine throughout all of this. Like strange, you know, private keys still function perfectly. So that's a, yeah, that it, there's like, you know, there's some kind of like ancient Chinese lesson here, right? Where like the forest burns and it grows back like the most lush part of the woods, right? So, you know, unfortunately or fortunately, depending on your perspective, um, the forest is burning. But, uh, you know, with the power of patience and, uh, you know, a little bit of foresight, I think uh, it'll grow back even, you know, more greener and lusher than before. And then that analogy that means more people own Bitcoin in self-custody today than ever before. Than ever before. I guarantee you this. As of today, November 17th, 2022, more individuals hold their private keys than any day in history before. I, there's just no way that's not possible. And I think it's going to keep continuing to grow that way. And it, it seems like, at least for this bear market, you know, more and more people are kind of keep moving Bitcoin off of exchanges and into, you know, hardware wallets. And so it's just, you know, I, it seems like you guys are very busy at Casa and I'm sure like the other multi-sig providers are, you know, just swamped these days as more and more people are like, all right, you know, help me, help me self-custody my own Bitcoin. So, you know, I, I think that I'm definitely bullish, you know, going forward. And obviously I wouldn't be keep doing this if I wasn't, right, right. but you know, I, the, the one thing I want to bring up and I want to talk about and kind of round out the show about is that you brought up the Fed pivot and I'm not 100 percent sold that they're going to pivot in within the at least the, the next year, uh, even with all this, because uh, and I'd like to hear kind of like your, your thoughts about it, too, because, you know, although the United States economy is not doing well, we're seeing a lot of these growth companies. Uh, tech companies like a like a Meta and, and some of these others have massive amounts of layoffs. The dollar compared to other fiat currencies, it is kind of ripping and doing well. Um, and, and you know, the United States' greatest export at this point is the dollar, which is kind of unfortunate, as it should be. You know, various other things and some actual, you know, commodity or product or, or something like that. Um, but I, I feel like Powell is going to kind of work his way and try to do his best in order to strengthen the U.S. economy relative to the others, you know, globally. And so I think although he, he might not keep doing these 75 basis point hikes, I could see him keep hiking, you know, up until like midway through next year at the very least, um, even with, you know, kind of some blood in the streets. And he he's even said in the previous meetings, like prepare for pain. And, uh, you know, it's going to be a, a decent ways uh, up. So, you know, what are your kind of thoughts on that? Do you think like this crypto crash might kind of accelerate um, that timeline up a little bit and and make, uh, you know, the Fed kind of change its tune? Or do you think kind of, uh, I guess, align with some of my thoughts? I do agree with that. We may differ on timeline. Um, I'll just like, you know, I'll just throw some darts. I think the crypto market bottoms in January or late December and the equity markets bottom in March slash April. Um, I think by the end of next year, 
people are going to be amazed at the, at what a Fed signaling, not even a Fed pivot, but a Fed hinting of a maybe of a maybe of a pivot. <laughs> like that, the economy is so hooked on infinite money and having such withdrawal shock right now that even just the the hint of of it coming back will flood their dopamine receptors throughout the you know trickling throughout the economy to um even before it gets there i you know i uh i read this thing about happy hours and like the first beer that you have and it's like or maybe it's the huberman podcast either way he says uh it's not even the first sip of beer that floods your dopamine receptors when you drink but it's actually like the sound of it or like the the, the like the the anticipation up to that first sip that's where the dopamine actually gets released so I think that's the same here where it doesn't even need, they don't even need to pivot. They just need to like talk about talking about pivoting. They need the pre-announcement of the announcement of the announcement, you know, like on Twitter and you'll see things sentiment change quickly. That's my, that's my uh, prediction, if you will, but uh, more pain to come. <sighs> Maybe man. Maybe I don't know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's uh, if if this year's taught me anything, it's that uh, we definitely live in a simulation. It's for sure, <laughs> like without yeah. a doubt. I'm convinced now. <laughs> it's funny you bring up the comparison to you know going to a happy hour and taking that first sip of beer because you know I I remember seeing this barstool video. I think it was like a Sunday conversation with uh Bert, I don't know how to say his last name, like Kreischer or something. He's the the machine comedian, but he was just kind of going on this rant about uh, you know, how he just loves, you know, just drinking at random times and he said he's going to keep his body as healthy as possible just so he can have a drink. And he said, you know, his it, it, it's like the first kiss feeling when uh, somebody walks up to you and then they go to brunch and say do you want mimosas or something like that? You know, just kind of like hinting at drinking at inopportune times. And he said, you know, you don't really get that first kiss feeling when you're married, but uh, when you have that first sip, that's, that's when it all hits. So, uh, you know, I don't, I, th yeah. I think that's pretty funny uh, comparison, but yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, uh, you know, hear you on the market with that. I'll, I'll one more metaphor or analogy to that. Um, same thing is true with money. The, fantasizing about wealth and what you're going to do with it for most people is more enjoyable than the having it. So realize that if you're, you know, if you're chasing something, if you're waiting for something to get you to where you want to be, just be, uh, you know, you're going to be chasing it forever. So just be happy with where you're at today. Be content. You know, we're here. We're going through some amazing, amazing time in our in our life in history. Um, maybe we come out the other side better, but it's amazing nonetheless. Yeah, exactly. We're going through a monetary revolution. It seems like with with Bitcoin. So um, more than just that, money. <laughs> more than just money. You know. It's, yeah. Amen. Uh, 
changing everything. talks about Breedlove talks about how money hits everything, right? And so I, 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 and I agree with him. It's like the money revolution is just kind of like the, the beginning. What really excites me is what happens to society after. Yeah, for sure. And so, Bap, you've been very generous with your time, just kind of squeezing it in here with in between all your meetings at Casa. So why don't you tell everybody, you know, where they can find you and what you got going on? Yeah, yeah. Um, if you're looking for an easy way to take self-custody of your Bitcoin, keys.casa. We have everything from a easy-to-download mobile app, single key, to, you know, multi-sig distributed all over different places if you want. Um, there's, you know, people like myself that can help you get it set up and get you confident and your education to where you need to be. And, um, yeah, we'll have some uh, exciting stuff coming out in the next couple of months. There we go. And then find them at Twitter at BTC BAP and then tell them about your, the value stack podcast and all that too, man. Oh, yeah, dude. yeah, dude, I'm not a good self shiller. Um, <laughs> Yeah, I host the Value Stack podcast at Value Stack Pod. I'm not really sure what we talk about, to be honest. Like uh, I, I used to say it was like value investing in Bitcoin. Lately, it's been Bitcoin mining and energy. I don't know uh, what we talk about, but people like the show. So I would say that, you know, go to it with an open mind and hoping to stack some value in whatever that means to you. I think we, you know, we have some good conversations. My most recent guest was uh, Rob from Upstream Data and Distributed Hash. And uh, they do ASIC testing and uh, large-scale Bitcoin mining research, uh, as well as like flare, you know, Upstream Data does the flaring uh, on the oil fields and the petrol, you know, solutions with the black boxes. So yeah, man, there's uh, some like five episodes coming out soon. Um, so yeah, definitely check it out. Value Stack Podcast. It's on all the th- all the things. Yeah, there we go. And then J Bugs in the comments saying it could be value in life. So there, there you go. go. Not, just, not just money or investing. So, all right, well, go check out BAP and and all the stuff he's got going on. Go check out Casa Value Stack Podcast. And and thanks so much for coming on, buddy. All right, man. See you, man.